You are listening to Adventures in Sustainable Business with Jurgensen and Peterson. Join the adventurous exploration of sustainable business. Okay. In this episode of Adventures in Sustainable Business, we are going to talk about the challenge of organizing for sustainability, and we're going to talk about it in the context of new business models. And our guest for today is uh, Nils Faber, who is uh, Assistant Professor of Circular Entrepreneurship at the University of Groningen. Uh, he has just written a book with his colleague uh, Jan Jonker, who is a professor at the Radboud University Nijmegen. Uh, and they have written a book which has exactly this title, Organizing for Sustainability, A Guide to Developing New Business Models. Welcome to us, Nils. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm assuming, Sveinung, that I failed in all my pronunciations of the <laughs> the, Nether, uh, the, the, the Dutch uh, universities here, but uh, you can both ridicule me for the rest of the episode if you uh, wish to do so. No, it was absolutely fine. This was completely understandable, even for a Dutchman. So thank you. <laughs> Where does this uh, podcast find you, Nils? I, I am currently at the house, um, as many of us have been for the past two years. Uh, I am in the Netherlands, very close to Groningen. I live in the city of the city of Haren, which is a very small municipality at the south of Groningen. Um, fortunately, we have uh, lifted many of the blocks um, and, and the limitations in the Netherlands already, so we can now move freely a little bit more than we used to. And we, we're regaining a sense of what life was, which is interesting. And part of what you have done during the pandemic is to write your book about um, organizing for sustainability and about uh, bus new business models. And we met for the first time, uh, Nils, at the new business model conference in, in Berlin a few years ago. And at the time, I remember that you and Jan told me about your uh, your work on this book, uh, your plans to possibly publish it open access, which you now uh, have done. Uh, the book was then eventually published in uh, 2021 and already uh, now I can see on the Paul Grave website that it is downloaded uh, more than 122,000 times. Uh, so this book is, is already uh, successful and, and gaining traction. But could you give us a little bit about the, the background for the book? You know, what is it that you wanted to, what was the problem that you wanted to solve, if you will, with this book? What was the, the questions that were driving your uh, work on this particular uh, piece of work? I'd like to, to bring you back to, to the origin of the book. So the book started not as the as an idea for a book, but um, the idea started with, with a, um, a piece of teaching that Jan and I did, um, which goes back, I think, to 2016, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So in 2016, I joined the team of teaching sustainable, um, sustainable entrepreneurship at the uh, Radboud University of Nijmegen. And... Somewhere in the development of that course, so this was in, I think, 2018, we started doing that for the first time. We entered into that course the concept of the hackathon. So students needed to be taught a lot about what, what is um, a, a sustainable entrepreneurship, what is a business model, what is a sustainable business model, how do you make that? And at the end of the course, there was a hackathon. So for 24 hours, the students were in a pressure cooker building up that, 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 that thing that they had uh, conceptualized. And the inspiration we got from the hackathon, the international hackathon that, that runs in Groningen every year, the, the Odyssey Hackathon, and, and Jan visited that, um, that event, I think in 2017, with a friend of his, 
who said, this is great. You have should have a look. It's, it's amazing. You have people coming from all over the world and they get questions and challenges and they need to work on that. And they have for that roughly 48 hours to solve. And they do that. And it's done by a small team with an enormous amount of people around that that help them to support that in all manners possible. And they have tooling. And that was one of the tricks that we also entered into that. So the, the, the hackathon was built. We organized it. We had people, experts coming in. So we had experts um, on the problem itself. We had experts with, re with regards to uh, the applications of IT. Um, we had experts in the field of business models. That was ourselves. That was quite convenient. And we brought in tooling. And the tooling is exactly what is the, the, the core of the, uh, the book, the business model template has its origins in, in that piece of work. It was an eight-pager in which we said, well, if you think about sustainable business models, think about a series of building blocks. And I'm, I'm doing it by heart, but let's, let's say we had about eight building blocks, something about a value proposition, something about, well, you need to organize this as well. Sounds good that you also think about how you capture revenues. And that eight-pager was given to students and they needed to work with that. And, of course, we received feedback that it was nice to have but incomplete. And, and that, that sparked the whole process of pushing that a little further. What if we piece together a book in which this business model template that was not called at such um, at that, that uh, moment in time. What if we do that? And we, we, we invite a few people that write the book with us, and each of us develops one of the parts. So there would be a part in, in, in the beginning saying, well, it, it needs to have proper introduction. So what's the origin of business modeling and why would you do that? And why would it be sensible to have something of um, a model or a tool that you can work with in order to develop it for yourselves? And we, of course, got a lot of inspiration by the uh, the original business model canvas, which is already dated back from 2002. And we did that. With 13 people, we sat together in a, well, sort of pressure cooker, two days in a row. Um, this amazing um, building on, a, on one of the still existing uh, very old um, uh, estates we have in the Netherlands, very close to the University of Nijmegen. And we were able to use that facility for almost for free. Um, and, and we sat out with 13 people, everybody, well, in two teams of two, three people working on chapters and building up that book, all in Dutch, all still not with, with in mind, let's go international, but just in Dutch. Let's address the Dutch audience in this way and let's help them to understand what business modeling is all about and help them also to, to do that themselves, give them something in hand with which they can develop their own sustainable business. So we've had not just people from, from a, a, an academic background. We had them, of course. We needed to have them because you need to have some, some depth in your work. But we had also practitioners bringing in cases in which they applied things or in which they were able to push that theoretical conceptualization that we, we did even, even further and say, well, but then this is what it means in practice. And that's exactly what, what we did in developing the Dutch book. And then, well, 
then we got this crazy idea from two guys from Norway. <laughs> I wonder who that was. <laughs> Jan was very much impressed by the way you, you approached your book when you when you did it in an, in an open access fashion uh, with Paul Red. And, and, well, we just decided to decided to to see whether we could walk the same path, and 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 we got in touch with Paul Grave saying, "Okay, well, we have a book, we have an idea, we have the book already, but it's in Dutch, so it will not really suit your market. So we need to translate that, and we would like to publish it with you in Open Access." And and they agreed, and then we started to do the work, and we translated it, we edited it, we made sure that every example that was in the Dutch book was was given a, an, an international counterpart and it was developed, I think, well, we had a little chat before this already, but I think the book in, its, in, in the current shape, in the Dutch form, I think it took us six, seven months to really go from, not just the translation, really go from the Dutch version to, to an international version that has everything um, um, substantiated in, in, a, in a way that, that reaches the, the international audience. In addition, you have made a MOOC uh, now on, on top of that. And listening to you describing how you made it, it's it's also kind of a, uh, a description of a business model behind the book. Because uh, you have three business models generic in your book. You have the platform model, the community model, and the circular business model. And in many ways, uh, the whole uh, process here, you and Jan working together, but also with these co-authors from the academic field and also from the practice field and also in, in involving students here. It sounds kind of a community business model, am I right? Uh, in a sense, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I must give the credits to Jan for this because this, is, this has been the way that he's worked for the past years and, he, and, and many books have, uh, have been created this fashion. I mean, this, this book for us, for, for, for Jan and me, is the third one in a row. We started first with, with a book which was just a Giving, giving a view on, on the state of affairs with regards to circular economy in the Netherlands that was published in, in 2017, in which we just sketched out the state of play. What is so circular economy? What does it mean for the Dutch context? And how many businesses actually are doing something with it? It was, in a sense, um, it was a nice effort, but also a very disappointing study in that regard, because very few companies actually took steps towards circular economy. Um, and from that came a second book, which was much more of a workbook. What if you would like to do that? So this was a little bit of a, um, a, a practice prior to the book that's now on the table, um, which was also uh, just a digital uh, publication that we, that, that we published ourselves. Um, so and, and then we had the chance to do it in, well, let's say in a more serious fashion with with serious a serious publisher with a serious marketing um, instrument behind it and and then th this came out yeah and, and you, you mentioned the book um uh, sorry the MOOC the MOOC which which was developed um in parallel but that has a very different origin um originally it is this MOOC was only to be about um, um uh, circular business models but that project did not did not fly as it should have been um there was nothing done, um, um, and but this was also not not really our project in the first place. But we were in contact with the people involved, and all of a sudden, what well, we we were working on the book, and, and and then 
we had the idea, well, why not team up? Why not use the book as, as the, the basis of the whole MOOC? And for those of us, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting, uh, Nils, but for those of our listeners who are not acquainted to the the, the term MOOC, a massive open online course. I was the one who said it first, so it was my responsibility to to to, to say it. But it's a is an open online course for anyone who wants to 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 learn more about this and do it in practice. So, because you said it was one purpose of the book was to to solve this problem with the, with the students uh, and the participants there and then. But uh, when you when you talked, you also said there's another problem here. Very few companies wanted or or were able to to design a, a circular business model uh, so i guess that's a that's another purpose of the book as well to, to, to reach out with more knowledge to those practitioners out there on how to do this in practice yeah well as you mentioned that in all honesty the the intent of the of the of the very early versions of the of the um, of the tooling of the business model template were indeed just to to be used in um, in educational setting having our students working with it, seeing what they can do, push the envelope, see where, where the model fails, uh, what needs to be added. Um, but as you also have sensed in, in the way the book was developed and, and how we, we composed the team, um, we intended specifically not just students with the book, because the book has a much wider reach than just teaching. I mean, teaching, you know that yourselves, it's, it's in a traditional teaching i mean it's in a classroom and and that's the confines within which you can convey your message the book has a reach which um, and particularly the, the the international book which is, has a reach which is unfathomable if you write a book you have no idea who's going to read this we've now people i'm following the linkedin streams about it a little bit people in in, in south america praising the book saying well this is great i don't i don't understand the language but Google Translate helps me quite a lot there. So, and I think that that was a good thing that we made that choice um, deliberately in, in the beginning in terms of, okay, what's going to be the audience for the book, but also how are we going to compose our writing team that we include not just people from academ academia, which is, I mean, for us commonplace, but also include people who are in practice and are, are working with similar or the same methodologies and have them reflect and have them write things um, in ways that in which they also can can communicate to to the people um, in practice, um, and then the MOOC came, the massive open online course came. Um, as I said, it was a different project, but but there was at a certain point in time it was very interesting, very um, very relevant to to combine the paths of both the the book and that MOOC. So the book became the platform, became the, the, the building block for the rest of the MOOC. Nothing was developed yet, so not, no, no pains um, to, to, uh, to resolve. And we took, well, we, we took care of the, organ the, the organizational part of the project, so the content organization and the operational organization, and we developed the, the whole MOOC. And it also cost us, that cost us quite a lot of time. That cost us roughly nine months in total to, to do. Yeah, but we for every chapter in the book, and we have seven chapters in the book. If I know a little bit more, but we divide it in seven chapters. Seven chapters for the book, so, and following the similar structure as the uh, the book, to to some extent. And every chapter is accompanied by at least five five videos, if not more. There are certain parts of a, of the book which which have more depth, so more videos are added. 
And those were recordings of ourselves. And then we needed to add additional materials. And this, in an iterative sense, we, we developed all the parts of that MOOC. And then we decided to put in an eighth, an eighth chapter for the MOOC, which was tooling, just instruments that were more general and could be applied for more of the chapters. Um, and that we did with um, also with with a team. Um, I, I I don't recall the numbers here, but but I, there were some twenty institutions in the Netherlands involved to do this. All schools of higher education, all universities, chipping in and building it up. fascinating aspect of, of the open access uh, both both book and, and and massive open online courses uh, and for that matter other kinds of open uh, teaching platforms we we've done some similar things and it, it's funny how when you've written the book you're sort of a little bit done with it but what happens and I, I like Sveinung's link to the to this community idea because it really generates this kind of communal interaction with the material in, in a completely different way. So the, the lifespan of a book and of, of a video or whatever becomes much larger because people interact with it. As late as yesterday, I got a, a message from, from a journalist who had come across one of our open access videos that we made as, as part of, of, of our open access uh, program. And, and, you know, suddenly someone comes across it a couple of years later and it sparks some new interaction. So there's something about that sort of communal dimension that I think is very important. Uh, very interesting, and you mentioned uh, Nielsen in um, uh, not in passing, but you mentioned mentioned earlier uh, the business model template, which is of course uh, one of the cornerstones, if you will, of of the book. Uh, much of the content is organized around this this model that has uh, three stages, and I like this. Uh, uh, this sort of partitioning uh, very well. The, uh, I like it very much. This definition stage, the design stage, and the result stage. And, and each of these uh, three stages have different aspects to them uh, that go into this logic of, of, of the, the business model template and, and how to work with the design and development uh, and organization of business models. So perhaps we could challenge you to take us through these three stages of this uh, business model template, the definition stage, design stage, and result stage, and what they tell us about the challenge of um, organizing uh, and, and designing and implementing more sustainable business models. Okay, I'll give it a try. And normally I do this with an enormous set of, of slides <laughs> which help me to tell the story in a more eloquent way. So um, in a nutshell, um, three, three main stages. Every stage has um, a series of building blocks around which you develop that stage. Um, and in, in the, the way we have pieced together the, the whole BMT, we follow um, uh, well, the sequence of design theory. Uh, so we always start with, okay, you would like to build something, so, but, but what are the characteristics thereof? What is the, the contours? What does it need to do? So that's where we have the definition state. Define what you would like to realize. In this case, define the essences of the, the business model that you would like to realize. Um, every, and I think this is important for everybody to understand, also the people listening to the podcast, Everything in the, the, the book, everything that we do in the, the business model template is inspired by the idea we are not in the, in, the, in the game for just business models for profit. This is really about building sustainable business models. So many of the, of the building blocks and the way we describe that in the book and also how we, we have um, uh, put these together in the MOOC um, 
comes from that background. So there are things that you that you need to think about, which, which you probably will not think about if if you have not a sustainable mindset. So that as a um, sort of precondition before you start working with the thing. Um, so in in the in the definition stage, um, we were looking for, but but how do we help people to define things? And we we did it in, in three building blocks, if I recall correctly. So there is something about a motive. So why would you do this? What is the problem which you, which you would like to address? What is what is bugging you? And this may be something you walk outside, you walk out the door. I mean, this was the example that we discussed while writing the book. You walk out the door and there's something of garbage laying about, and that that you see that constantly. That's something that confronts you on a daily basis. And and how are you going to to uh, to resolve that? So you start with the motivation. Why are you in this? What is your your drive? And then. Following upon that, of course, is but what would you like to have? So, what is your ultimate dream? Define utopia. What would be the the most excellent solution for that? Well, and then you have contrast, right? And you have the the problem, the, the lowest point at which you can be, the, the thing that you would like to resolve, and you have, well, the tip of the the mountain which you would like the pinnacle you would like to to uh, to uh, to work towards. And then last but not least, you need to make it practical because you can't go from, from well, the deepest well to the highest peak in one shot. So you need to find for yourself a point which you think is able, you're able to reach within, within set time. So that's why you develop your, uh, your value proposition, the last thing of the, uh, the definition stage. When you have these three components, you've, you've set context. You have a context now, a context where I come from where I would like to be, and, and so also the point which I would like to realize inside my, uh, my efforts here. And with that context, you have the ingredients to start the second stage, which is the design stage. Um, and, then, and that's something that, that, that we are still not too sure about, but we thought it would be handy to first start thinking about what kind of business model would you like to realize, what is most fitting for the value proposition you have. Um, so finally, you already said it. We have three flavors, right? So we have the the platforms, and we have the um, the communities, and we have the circular business models. And well, depending a little bit on 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 what you would like to to strive for, you you choose either one of them. So is it going to be something of more efficient use of stuff of assets? Go for platform. If it's much more about solving a problem inside a community with the community, it's more about the community business model. And if you are much more about building um, systems in which materials are used, reused, et cetera, et cetera, go for circular. It's as simple as that. But we also recognize we can have cross-sectionals. Why not do platforms together with, um, with a circular business model? So that's why the, where the journey starts. And now I, I need to, to do this by heart. I need to memorize it properly. Um, there are a, a few building blocks you need to address. So there's something about with whom would you like to collaborate or who you need to collaborate with. So you need to identify your parties and, and what is your expectation from them and what is your relationship with them? And is it, are they able to, to, to make true what you think they need to do for you? So that's, that's the part that you need to, to address. Then something about your own organization. What's your strength? What's your strong points? And 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 what of the of the business model will you take care of yourself? So if you're in production, you have a production facility. You, I think, it automatically tells you, well, I'm quite well at doing production on this thing. So let's do that. Um, 
Uh, and then a, a third element has to do with strategy because, and, and also here we have, we are not entirely sure whether, whether this is the, the proper position, but we think, we still think that, that strategizing within a business model is, is, a, is a good thing to do. So what's your long-term perspective here? How do you see that value proposition developing over time and, and what kind of modes of operation, what kind of strategizing do you, do you take into consideration there? So that's one. So then we have four building blocks in that design stage and then we have a fifth one. In the BMT, it has a different color. And that's on purpose because that is where everything you've done in the definition stage and in the design stage, you basically put to the dogs and see what's eaten. <laughs> you test it. It's the external <laughs> test. See what works, what does not work. Let it, critis- let it be criticized. It is something that, that when doing things in the whole of the BMT, it's, it's repetitive. So it, it's done at smaller steps in all the different building blocks. But this is because you're doing the design and you're now finishing up the design. This is explicitly done a larger external test. Give it to someone else. Someone you do trust. I mean, there needs to be a basis of trust, but who is also able to, to criticize you? And I mean, we know what criticism is, right? It can, it can be nice. It can be pat on the back. Well done. Please go on. But it can also be fierce. And particularly if it's about ideas, this is an idea. This is a conceptual baby. And the conceptual baby dies very, very hard. <laughs> so this can be painful. But I mean, the pain needs to be experienced in order to improve it. And you have the results stage, and you can you uh, you you can come back to that. But everyone who has worked with these processes in practice knows that knows that this is hard work. It's hard to come up with these dreams and and to make these value propositions and and go through these archetypes, uh, uh, talk with p- uh, parties that are involved, the stakeholders here, working with the strategy long term, and then finding out what are we supposed to do. And this external test that you describe here is ex- extremely important, and I guess also the learning process here from going from those first napkin ideas that you might have together with some friends on a bar, testing it by talking to, to, to colleagues, friends, customers, or, or other stakeholders, and then going back and, and, and redefining it and, and, and working with the value propositions and, uh, and so on. And I'm, I'm curious about the results stage here. So I'm, I'm, you, you, you shall come back to that. But this external test, when you run this together with companies for for instance these kinds of processes um do you usually do that uh, on, on a day for instance or have you had do you have any experiences where you have done this over over some time with with real companies we have no experience with with applying the bmt in in, in the whole but the the people that have that have been fiercely writing on this part were very strong on on the development of this because they did it they did it themselves and this was for themselves. I mean, they were they were in this case also the subjects of the of the external test. They their ideas were tested. And um, what I recall from the discussions we've had is that this was this was for them the, the best of of ways to learn things, to really see um, what are the limits of my thinking, what choices that that I make um, are acceptable, good. And what choices do I really need to reconsider? Um, and I think that's also how you should, as a person, if you are in, in the mode of doing the external test, um, position yourself. I mean, you can be, of course, going into the external test, say, well, I'm the victim and everybody's bashing me. 
but you can also take the other opportunity. No, I mean, this is also something that, that I see many students in this role, right? Many students come and then they get feedback and they say, but, but, but this is not honest. But that's not the point here. The point is here that you open up for, for insights from others. You have just one mind. Your organization has just a limited amount of minds. And why not have someone from the outside have a look at what you do? And I think, I think that for all, for everybody, and including me, it's, that's the best of ways to learn things and to see how you, can, how you can improve yourself, how you can improve your thinking, how you can improve your, your business model. So um, on purpose, we, we, we put in the external tests and on purpose, we also um, ask the people that, that do this on both ends to, um, to be vulnerable. But in vulnerable in the sense that you are accepted, acceptance, accept what did I tell that you accept the feedback from others and that you and, and the people that give you feedback are also constructive. This is difficult enough when we work with, with business models, uh, regardless of sustainability. And this results results stage, the last of these three stages with measuring impact and values created. How do you integrate sustainability into this? The result stage um, basically is a um, it tries to make operational the promises that you make in your value proposition. So that's the, the idea behind this. In the result stage, you try to capture um, uh, the question, what does the business model provide? Or what does it deliver? What values does it generate? Um, so the, the, the first one is the impact um, uh, building block, in which you are asked to, to rethink through, okay, what if my, my business model is in operation? What would that mean? What impacts will it will it make? And impacts not just in terms, of, okay, this is the amount of money that I earn, because that still is on the plate. I mean, we are don't, are not building business models that that do not allow you to to earn money. But particularly looking at what well, sustainable values, what kind of ecological or social um, impacts do you make, and and not just direct impacts, but also deeper lying impacts. Um, and the, the, the question is not that you have the ultimate answers to this, but the question is here, think about that. Can you identify the impacts that you can make? Can you, make, can you identify them on ecological grounds and on, on economic uh, and on, and on uh, social grounds? And to what extent can you do that? So what if you're an organization, you're in a supply chain, are you only considering the impacts of your own organization or are you taking into consideration all the, all the players in the supply chain? And what if you do that? What does it then mean? Does it mean that you will start to make other choices? Or are you going to report about this um, uh, transparently to your customers? I mean, then this, th these things are, uh, are becoming possible. So it's, it's a, on the, in one way, it's, it's making things measurable. On the other way, it's also ensuring that you have a tool to communicate. So that's on the impact. Um, and the last one is the values created. Um, in, in values created, we, we have two things that we address. Um, it, it's, it resembles very closely what we know from business modeling, the revenue model, right? So it, it, on the one hand, it, it um, asks you to be very explicit about the, the transactions, the transactional models that you allow for in your business model. So what's the basis of your earnings? 
Is that is that so sales? Is that is that leads? And so this is one of the things that you address there. And the second thing is making making very explicit um, the the promised values in your um, in your value proposition. So and and trying to quantify them as much as possible. So it's very similar to impacts, but impacts has a longer stretch. It's really about building up a narrative. Okay, this is the impact I I want to make in in uh, in, uh, in my context. And values created is much more, a little bit more mundane, saying, okay, well, these are the values that I can immediately show. This is what I generate. This is what I create. And this is also where in, in our in transactions with us, you are contributing to. What I like about the, the business model concept uh, is that this sort of, idea of of layers if you will we can talk about as we're doing now about the single business model that some entrepreneur or an established incumbent firm you know want wanting to change one or more business models from the existing to to a new business model but then also there's this second layer of the business model as something that is embedded in an ecosystem of many business models and not just business models but other kinds of institutional arrangements and uh, you know and and, and this broader context within which the business model resides. And I think several aspects of your business model template touches on exactly this, you, you know, consult with parties who are involved and, 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 and all that stuff. And uh, I want to quote uh, from, from your epilogue, because this is a book about organizing, like the title suggests. And, and there's a chapter or a subchapter called New Models of Organizing. And I really, uh, I liked this. So I'm going to, 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 uh, to, to basically quote it. Uh, and the quote goes like this, working with truly new business models will necessitate different organizational relationships, more horizontal and digitally fa facilitated within networks. The current distinction between citizen and uh, citizens and companies is likely to partially disappear or fade away. People are suddenly not just citizens, but also entrepreneurs or self-investors because they might start a solar park or set up a car sharing system. Call it do-it-yourself entrepreneurship which leads to home-generated electricity, managing an orchard together, or setting up a time bank in the neighborhood combined with a smart grid. The possibilities really are endless. And that's the end of the quote. And, and the reason why I, I chose to, to, to lift this full quote is that I think it, it, it points at, you know, part of what I think of as some ultimate objective of sustainable business modeling, not just at the level of the single entrepreneur or the single business model, but also this idea that we innovate together, we innovate across, and that the organizing puzzle that you are addressing in, in your book is not just about, you know, the single entrepreneur organizing his or her specific business model inside this one firm. But as I understand you, you are in some sense playing into a broader vision of, you know, organizing for, for better societies, smarter societies, uh, and so on. Uh, and I hope you uh, care to comment on my little you know, improvised uh, reflection. Oh, thank you very much for the reflection. Um, uh, my, my short response would be, I, I agree. And then I will come to my longer response. <laughs> I, I, I agree, um, but, <laughs> and then my but needs to be filled in there further. No, I, I think you, you touch upon a very fair point here. Um, and, and, but this point not only was raised in our book, I think this point also came back multiple times. For instance, last year uh, during the NBM conference in Halmstad, uh, the New Business Models um, uh, conference that we did in Halmstad. And, and they, they, there we finished on a, a large reflection with the question, what is the level at which a business model is operating? 
And that was exactly this. Is that something that is tied to a single entrepreneur? Is it tied to a single organizational entity within, economic, within an economic um, uh, context? Or does it also operate on higher echelons? Why not on the level of um, ecosystems or regions? We are even talking about urban business models. Um, uh, there was a, a study done on that as well. And I think in, in that sense, the business model concept, because it's a, a, a concept that tries to capture value creation, it does not say I'm capturing organizational value creation. It says it captures value creation in, in its essence. And I think, I think that, that is also why it, it lends itself so nicely to scale up. And now a but comes. So I agree with you. But, but, but the but is, <laughs> but is, no, is very important to recognize as well. The term business model or the, the use of the concept of business model is not always, um, um, sorry, when, when talking about business models, the, the assumption is almost always made that this is confined to a single organization. Yesterday, I had a meeting with, with uh, people for a new project, also on, on, uh, on the formations of ecosystems. But the term business model it's, it's not something that's very common to that level of thinking. So the, the ecosystem, it's, I mean, we, we know things about entrepreneurial ecosystems. They have to have plug-in um, uh, systems to help entrepreneurs to, be, to, to develop their organization, those kind of things. So that we have. But really talking about business models at that level is quite difficult. And, and one of the things, and I think that, that's something that we, we do address in the book a little bit more elaborately, has to do with, with thinking in terms of organizing across organizational borders, because that's exactly what this is all about. And, and for that, I mean, for organizing within an organization, we have, we have a great many of things that we can look at, right? We can even go back to, to, uh, to uh, Francis Taylor and Harry Fayol to, to learn some management science and how to, to piece together mathematically an organization to, and say, well, this is working and it's efficient. And, and, it's, and then people from, from sociology and psychology give us a, a, a few additions saying, well, but you also need to, to think about the people and they need to f- find themselves well in the organization. But it's still confined to the single, single organizational perspective. And now the question comes, what, what kind of tools, what kind of instruments, what kind of mechanisms do we have across organizations that we, where we can really connect two business organizations or, and now it comes, a business organization to a group of people, a group of citizens who also want something? The question is there. Uh, there was a little bit of work on this done by Jan in, in the past in his book, New Business Models, where, which was really about community business models. But this question remains to be quite unanswered. So um, I, I agree. I agree f- with you fully, Lars, but I also see the problem. And, and I think this is one of the questions that needs to be addressed in the upcoming years, um, not just to, to beef up the concept of business models, because it's just a concept. And we need to figure out whether that still helps us in 10 years from now. But if we are serious in... in um, um, developing our societies towards a sustainable future, we need to find ways to ways to, to collaborate across organizational borders and across the different realms in society. So we need to be able to to to, te- to have teams between government agencies and businesses and citizens alike. I was very happy, uh, Nils, when you described the, the BMT and you were in the middle in the strategy part and you said, I th- we think this is this might be important. We think 
we're not quite sure yet, but we think this is important because, I mean, we meet so many people in this field of sustainability and, 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 and business models that are so sure all the time. They kind of have the solution to, to every problem. And, and that makes me, you know, a, a little scared because we're dealing here, as you say, within an organization, between people and an organization. Uh, and there, there's so many facets here and there, there's so many things that are not sure. And, and, and as researchers with a practical, you know, practical DNA in a way or a, a gear, um, we need to be unsure. I think we need to ask these questions and, and reading your book and, and listening to you uh, today. Um, I really feel kind of confident on the book and the future of this book, because when you can combine both giving knowledge, having all the great examples uh, and providing language, providing um, frameworks and also providing questions that people can work in um, in, in different settings um, and kind of then trusting people who are sitting with those problems, defining those problems, dreaming out those goals and seeing, okay, what kinds of results do we want uh, in addition to the revenue or the, the typical profit part of, of revenue? I find this very uh, inspiring. And thank you for putting down the, the work with the book and the MOOC, as we've explained today. Um, I hope people out there will um, download the book, read it, uh, also take part of the MOOC, uh, which they can, they can, it's a course where you could do in, in, in your own pace. And if I can jump in, uh, I believe that it's uh, hosted on the edX platform. Isn't that right? And we can link to it in the show notes uh, to the book as well. Uh, so so uh, so our listeners can can find it. Yeah, it's, it's hosted on the edX platform, um, but it's hosted um, physically uh, by the Saxion University of Applied Sciences. They have the, um, the access to that platform. Yeah, but you can use that link. I think you, you have that link already. We are very grateful, Nils, that you uh, joined us for this conversation about the challenge of organizing for sustainability, both within and across uh, organizations, business organizations or, or otherwise, uh, that you um, shared with us not just uh, you know the, the background and the purpose, the, the process uh, by, by which the, the book and the MOOC came uh, into form, uh, but also uh, many of the core ideas uh, of the book uh, as they are captured in the business model template, uh, as they are captured in the cases and the questions like Sveinung uh, rightly points out that the book raises and that we all need to put a lot more work into working with because uh, always this field is developing. There are always more unanswered questions when we, uh, when we start answering uh, some of them. Uh, and uh, I'm happy that in this conversation, we've, we've both had some answers and, and some questions. And uh, we look forward to follow your work, both you, Jan, and, and your colleagues uh, going forward. So thank you for joining us on Adventures in Sustainable Business. My pleasure. Thank you very much. You have listened to Adventures in Sustainable Business with Jurgensen and Peterson. Visit us at jurgensenpeterson.no okay. where you can find more information about this podcast and other information about our work. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review.